So if you're facing something this morning, some obstacle, some hurdle, some concern, some anxiety, some worry, then I want you to just do this. This is the musicians play quietly. I just want you to declare that God is more powerful, far more powerful than what you're facing. And just hear yourself say that. Just say it quietly where you are, but just hear yourself saying it. So often it says, as we declare truth, that our whole being comes into line with that truth. Sometimes we just need to speak it out, just need to declare it. Sometimes we just need to just make the truth obvious. And somehow in the wake of that comes victory. So just do that right now. Nothing is impossible for our God. Nothing. He is more than capable. And let's just live in that truth, shall we? Father, we want to declare right now that whatever it is that is what we are facing, what we are contending with, what we're battling with, we want to declare that you're Lord and Saviour. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. And everything has to bow its knee to your rule, to your reign, and to your authority. And we just release the power of God now to bring solutions to everything that we are facing. In Jesus' beautiful name. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Ban, thank you so much. Join me again at the end, if you would, please. Be great. How are we this morning? Hey, good. Good, 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 good. It's great to be um, able to just minister this morning. Uh, it's, um, it was a, such an extraordinary time in Hamburg last week, or just outside Hamburg. We had a, a remarkable time. I don't think I've been with a group that was so receptive and so eager to learn that made my and Floss's job so easy. We're, we'll be going back, I think, before the summer holidays next year. So those who uh, wanted to come with us but couldn't, then uh, I will give, get you the dates as soon as they're confirmed. I would be, love to take a whole team out there with me next time. Just one story, there's lots of stories, one story, this lady stood up on Sunday, she said, on Saturday I came forward for prayer to be filled with the Spirit, I was feeling dry, I was feeling like um, I just needed more of God, and she said, as we, I was being prayed for, I felt something really strange sort of go down my legs, up and down my legs, and I thought something is happening, but I didn't know quite what was happening, and, and then I realized that um, something was happening in my feet, and she said, I need to explain this, that for three months, my feet have been swollen, um, they've been, uh, hardly been able to fit into my shoes, uh, I've been in extreme pain, and um, w suddenly I realised that my shoes were loose. And she said, I didn't want to share them because I just wanted to uh, sleep overnight, make sure that, it, she said, my feet are totally normal, all pain is gone, and I've been healed. And we, we didn't even pray for her. 
We just asked God to fill it with the Spirit. Just wonderful. Yesterday, um, I had the privilege of taking 20 people out uh, treasure hunting. Mark's already explained what that is. We believe that God is working in so many people's lives, and it's our joy and privilege to uh, play a part in that. And God leads us in all sorts of wonderful ways for that to happen. So uh, one of the groups had this, that there was a man standing out of the outside the fitting rooms of M&S. He was carrying a lady's bag. Obviously, his wife was in the, uh, the fitting room, costing him some money. And, um, and uh, that he had brown shoes and he had a back problem that they went to pray for. And lo and behold, as they went into Marks and Spencer's, there was a man stood up outside the fitting rooms with brown shoes, carrying his wife's handbag, and he had a back problem and they were able to pray for him. Isn't that amazing? Come on, that deserves a round of applause. Here's another one. This is, this is a great one. I never thought this was going to happen. When they told me this, I thought, no way. But um, they, they had the clues uh, in the castle quarter. They had to go to the travel agents. I don't know if there was as many, but they went to a travel agent. There they, were, they had the clue of a, a man who was grey-haired. Uh, he was a veteran, and he had war medals. And I mean, what's the chances of that? Eh? Well, when they got there, there was a man, 91 years of age, with his military hat on and his sort of symbols of his medals on his hat. How is that is amazing. And they were able to thank him for his service. They honoured him. We'll come to that subject later on today. They just honoured him and thanked him. Tears poured down his eyes to think that somebody would appreciate what he'd done. And they were able to pray for him and just minister to him. Isn't this it's just fun, isn't it? Don't you, don't you want to do this? It's such fun. Let me give you another story. Um, um, this, I think Joy was part of this group, if I remember rightly. So they had multicolours, a cape, an umbrella, and Sam and Tracy. I mean, bizarre. But their attention was drawn to this uh, group. And in this group was a lady who had multicoloured hair. Uh, the uh, kids were dressed up like Frozen because they were going to see the film and so one of them had a cape another one had an umbrella and two of them were called Sam and Tracy (laughs) and the other thing that they had was that uh, somebody uh, in this group was was feeling anxiety and worry and there had been a recent bereavement there was a funeral to come and there was extreme anxiety in one of the members of the family and they were able to pray for that member of their family and their mental well-being isn't that great just examples of demonstrating the love of God and um, I think we got we actually prayed with 19, that's right, isn't it? I think it was 19 people that in one hour, just in one hour, uh, God is amazing. God is amazing. Such remarkable times that we are living in at this moment. I, I, I hope you realize that. It is extraordinary times, unprecedented growth within the kingdom of God. Christianity is on the move in some of the most darkest and some of the most oppressed areas. I don't know if you know, uh, I was watching something very recently, which was a picture that I never anticipated to see, that in the strong Muslim uh, uh, stronghold of Iran, mosques were empty. Just empty. And yet the underground church was just bursting. 
It is estimated at the time in which we are living, 17,000 Muslims a week are coming to Christ. That's staggering, isn't it? I don't know if you know there's been uh, some political conflict in China and so they, as a result of this conflict, they have banned um, public worship. And that's been, I think, just about four or five weeks now in which there's no, you know, they used to allow public worship. Um, but uh, they have banned it. There's still this power struggle going on. We don't know quite how it's going to unfold. But since the day they banned public worship, 16 thousand underground churches have been planted 16,000 underground churches have been planted you know there's more Christians in China than there is the population of Great Britain I mean we live in extraordinary times but I have to say we still haven't managed to outstrip the growth of the early church I don't know if you realise it, but of all movements, religious and political, in the whole of history, nothing has grown quicker than the church in its inauguration at Pentecost. It still outstrips them all. I do believe we're going to see a glorious end times revival. I, I, I dare to believe we could even outstrip that early church growth because that isn't, that isn't the pinnacle of what we're aiming at. That's the starting point of what we're aiming at. We believe God's going to do so much, so much more. And as a result of this phenomenal growth, we thought, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be really significant for us to look at what were the elements that, that made up this early church growth, that we can learn from it. So we've been looking at this passage in Acts chapter 2. And what we will discover in this passage, or what we have been discovering in this passage, is this extraordinary devotion. Being devoted to something means being passionately focused on that particular thing. Almost exclusively is one definition. When we are devoted to a cause, you work tirelessly to achieve its goals. When you are devoted to a person, you place their needs above your own. The early church grew with such phenomenal uh, rate, I believe, because we have discovered what they were devoted to. So let's read this passage that we've been looking at together. Uh, Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 42. And you'll see that I've particularly highlighted one word in this passage for our attention today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. We've looked at those two areas. Recently we looked at to the breaking of bread. And we had a phenomenal word from John as we looked at at the whole subject of prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. I think Mark's going to be dealing with everything in common next week and their generosity. They sowed property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being 
saved. Devoted to one another. And particularly to the meeting together of God's community. Devoted to one another. We're going to be looking just at three areas simply today. We're going to be looking at how we are designed for togetherness. How we should be committed to our togetherness. And we're going to look at one aspect of what we can do for one another as we come together. And that is to honour one another. Or to put it in perhaps language we're more familiar with, to value one another. This is adding really to John Champion's words when he looked at the whole subject of um, but devoted to fellowship. So, designed for together. We live uh, in uh, troubled times. There is a definite spirit of the age, which is, um, I would call, radical individualism. We love today, it's part of the scientific mindset, to break everything down to its minute uh, elements and analyse that. And in a sense, we've done that with society too. And to a point where we feel that actually the individual is more important than anything else. The individual matters. We should herald the success of the individual. Modernity is, has this view, this emphasis of autonomous individuality. A novel that was written some uh, nearly 100 years ago, uh, Steppenwolf by Herman Hesse, um, really was a book ahead of its time. Its main character was a person who pursued his own individual goals and aims. He was the, it sort of encapsulated this independent, autonomous individual. But in the book, it illustrates where that actually took this person. When he was so absorbed with himself, it led to loneliness, isolation, despair. It led to boredom, so acute that even death itself seemed to offer a thrill or an excitement above everything else. That's the logical conclusion if we stress our own individuality and our own individual life and world. We were not made for that. We were made for community. We were made for togetherness. And we thrive, we benefit, we grow in relationships with one another. <clears throat> Every individual, of course, is so valuable. And every individual needs to be honoured. But our true value needs to be seen in relationship to the whole of community or society. We are made to be together. Secondly, we should be committed to togetherness. Just as this early church was, daily they met together. Think of that on your agenda. How would you fit that into your busy world, busy life? Together, daily, in God's presence, in the temple courts, seemed to be the venue in which they met. Now, the truth is this, that so often we come together with this motive. 
what would it do for us? We have needs. How much would this be a blessing to me? It seemed in the early church days they had very different perspectives and expectations. They saw it very much like this, that coming together was not for themselves, but for others, for the sake of others. 20 years ago, it was estimated, this was um, at a time when there was still a lot of tradition, a lot of people going to church, out of uh, perhaps forced commitment, out of works, out of tradition. It was estimated that people attended Sunday service uh, one in 2.1 Sundays. That was the average attendance 20 years ago. People would say today that the church is far more uh, committed, far less nominal. The people who attend church tend to have a genuine faith, a relationship with God. And I think that's true. I think that's, that's uh, really what's happening in the church today. But it's been estimated the average church attendance is now one in 4.4 Sundays. Staggering, isn't it? Where has the commitment to being together gone? We need to pursue deep community. Deep community. It's for our physical, emotional and mental well-being. Community is the place that we are made for. God has made us for community. Community is the place where we meet God. I, I am glad for all those occasions in which I've met God in my own private uh, study and worship and prayer. But I can say that the times where I've met God most, and in real significant times, have been in community, together, as we seek to worship. Committed to being together. Let me read you Hebrews 11. You know, Hebrews 10. You know this, um, these verses well. And I've referred to them in the past. But I just want to emphasize this again. I think this is time to do that. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching do you see the emphasis there why do we come on a Sunday well the early church had this clear focus and emphasis and though it's, it's honest, it's saying that there has been a, a, a tendency, a temptation to meet less. The writer of Hebrews, who we're not sure who it is, is stirring the church to again be focused on commitment to being together. Why? Because in so doing, we encourage one another. Have you ever thought of this? You wake up on a Sunday morning, you think, oh, I don't feel particularly motivated. I'm really probably teaching and preaching to the converted here because you're all here. <laughs> but let me say it anyway because other people will listen to this. And you think, oh, why should I bother? I'm just a bit tired. had a busy weekend. You don't know what the week I've had. I, I, just, I, just, I just have a lie in. Do you ever think, if I do that, 
I am discouraging the community. Wow. Now you know we are absolutely committed to motivating out of grace and not out of uh, an ought. But I think we need to grasp hold of what Scripture is saying here. When we neglect the together, it's not, it doesn't just have a neutral effect. It has a negative effect. It's, we've missed an opportunity to encourage others. And I don't know about you, but I need as much encouragement as I can get. And I say that with real humility. I need as much encouragement as I can get. And you racking up to a togetherness is encouraging. Vitally encouraging to me and to all of us. We should be committed to togetherness. And finally, when we are together, what can be one of the most encouraging things that we do for one another? And I would suggest this one, just for us to focus on, though there's many, I think it is that we can come together and we can give each other the honour that God gives us. Together to honour. Or to put it in the language, as I said, that we're more familiar with, that we give value. We give value to each person as God gives value. The Bible says a lot about honour. It has really strong instructions, honouring person and an honouring community. You know specific, it says honour God. Honour your father and your mother with a promise that your life will be long. It's the only commandment with a promise that follows. It's an extraordinary truth. We should honour leaders and rulers. Husbands should honour their wives. Wives should honour their husband. But Paul takes it a whole lot further. In Romans 12 he says this, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honour. <coughs> wow. That's what we should be doing on a Sunday morning. Coming to the community, passionate about togetherness, with an eagerness to honour everyone that we talk to. Everyone in the room. I love Paul's special emphasis, and this should be our special emphasis too. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says this, On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with what? Special honour. Special honour. We should have those eyes looking out for those amongst us who feel downtrodden, devalued, unappreciated. Maybe they feel alone, isolated, strangers in this community. It's our great privilege to give those people special, special honour. That's what gets me up on a Sunday morning at some unearthly hours because I think, wow, this Sunday I can have some great fun honouring people. Honouring people. 
So I'm going to embarrass a few people. Is that okay? Well, it's okay if it's, if not, if it's not you, isn't it? So, um, so I had two people for this service, and they're both in the service, which is amazing, which was Sarah and Alison. So can I do that, please? I want to honour you. Alison, when I see you, I see someone with an extraordinary heart. I mean, it is so big. It's like double the size that it should be. And that's how I see you. I think that's how God sees you because you are so passionate for true righteousness. And righteousness is focused on those who are widows and orphans, the poor and the needy. And you have such a heart, such a heart for anyone who is dishonoured. And you give them such honour. You give them time. You give them attention. You give them uh, your all. Sometimes at the sacrifice, uh, the huge sacrifice, you've paid a toll, a price. And I just want to value you and honour you for that. I want to honour you for the fact that when you were so unwell and it seemed that God wasn't answering your prayers, you never doubted that God would come up. That he would rack up and he would heal you. And you stayed faithful and true in the darkest times. And I've seen you grow and mushroom as a result of that. I think you're an extraordinary woman who is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And I believe that you will find others that you will shepherd in such a ministry to the poor and needy. I honour you. And Sarah, you have been on some journey... You have just overwhelmed your fears by courageous living. The journey you've been on has been nothing but spectacular. When I first met you, you were the epitome, can I say, of a timid spirit. And now you, you're like a lion at roars. You're, you're, you're just, it seems that you thrive on stepping over your fear into faith. And you are exploring things that you never anticipated. You are um, praying in tongues over people and prophesying over people and ministering in ways you could have never even dreamt of, you didn't even know existed. And you are such an example of what a person can grow and mature into. I honour you this morning because you're such an example of what we're trying to do in this church and that is build big people. You are, I know you're quite tall, but you are spiritually a big person. And you're growing bigger and bigger all the time. Because you've just taken the promises of God, applied them to your life, and seen that they work. So I honour you this morning. And that is what we do. That's what we do. That's why we come. Because we have such a privilege to speak the very words of God over one another. Paul Manwaring said this, honour is seeing another from heaven's perspective. Suddenly I've gone on to Siri, who's making complete... <laughs> can't follow what I'm saying. Behave. iPod, behave. Manwaring says this, honour is seeing another from heaven's perspective and treating them in the light of that truth. Honour is it the way of recognising glory in others. The word, the Hebrew word for, which is often translated glory in the Old Testament is also translated honour. The same word is in, translated in two ways. 
So we should be eager on a Sunday to come together. Why? Because there is such gold in the people around us. And we, we're not sure whether they see that gold. And we want to illuminate to them. Do you realize what really is in your life? And how God really sees you? And we get the privilege, the honor, to actually do just that. You know the example, but I'll just mention it. Here is Jesus with Simon, and, and Simon, you know, everything about his character is flaky. You know, he says one thing, but in honesty, when it comes to the, when it comes to the rub, he, he isn't going to carry it through. But what does Jesus see in him? Jesus sees him as a rock. Such a rock that he's going to play such a significant part in leading this early church movement. Wow. And so what he does, Jesus says, I know you're called Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. Now that was such a radical declaration. I bet the other disciples just laughed. Rock? Him rock? <laughs> rock? He's the last thing we're going to, we would depend on him. Look at him. But what did it do? It transformed him. Utterly transformed him. So we should come together with this passion to together honour one another. Let me give you another quote. Whenever I recognise in someone the attributes, nature or power of God, I am beginning the journey of honouring. Put another way, honour is when I show value for someone because it reveals, reflects, or points to the nature, attributes, or power of God. You know the story, I'm sure, of these uh, burglars who thought they'd have fun on Halloween. They entered a department store, uh, but they left having taken nothing. All they did was change the price tags on every item in the shop. So a £359 camera was now £5, and a £5 box of stationery was now £395. I mean, what's ironic, the store opened and kept functioning for four hours before anybody noticed. That's a staggering, isn't it? <laughs> what fun. On a Sunday, when we enter this room, we get the opportunity to change price tags. The price tags that Satan and life has put on you, which is not your true value, we can take off and we can give you the true value of what God says about you. Isn't that staggering? And we get to do that for one another. Don't you want to be here? You don't want to miss a moment because you get another opportunity to replace a price tag. Second thing under this whole area of honouring, just quickly, we should, in this whole community, simply look out for the interests of others. 
This is this passage in Philippians that we looked at when we looked at this book uh, some time ago. Let me remind you of it. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regarding one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So, when we have coffee... Why not take that opportunity just to build someone up? Just to change the price tags. Just to show them how much God honours, values, appreciates them. Something that you see that they may not have seen in themselves. You can call out the gold and make them aware of just how staggering they are. In God's sight and in your sight. We should do that. We should celebrate every victory that every individual is facing. Particularly when they're in the midst of really difficult, pooey times. We celebrate their victories. They're keeping going. They're standing firm. They're being faithful and true. We should celebrate every bit of the work of God's redeeming grace in a person's life. And again, make them aware of what we see God is doing in them. Serve them well. That's the privilege that we get. Just a final story. A true story from the days of Napoleon. His um, horse uh, bolted and ran away. And a private managed to capture the horse and bring it back to Napoleon. So Napoleon thanked him like this. He said, thank you, Captain. Instantly, the private heard those words. He believed them. So he went to the uniform uh, department and changed his uniform to Captain. He went to the Captain's bunks and booked himself his own bunk. And for the first time, he went to the officer's mess and had his Captain's meal. It's a great story, isn't it? Isn't it interesting how one word from his leader changed his whole perspective? That's Sunday morning. That's our privilege. We get to be Napoleon. We call the captains out of people and we see them change. Isn't it good to be together? Don't you want to be together? Because we get to do this stuff. We get to see people. Prices changed. Elevated to their place. Because there's glory in everyone. 